what happens when aliens make first contact with someone who has radical beliefs? And then we take a look at the story of a young nurse simply going about her day. But after she treats a burn patient, the next seven months become a tale of demonic possession. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys had a safe and fun Halloween. We did do the Halloween live stream on YouTube, and then the next day I did a follow-up to it as well. Those are both available on the YouTube channel. I'm not going to put them as podcast episodes. The audio quality is not up to snuff. If someone was listening to the podcast for the first time and discovered those, they're going to be like, that's weird. Why does he keep, why are there long sections of him just silence? Because I'm dodging cars or I'm pointing at something in the distance that people can see. So if you want to check those out, you can check out the YouTube uh, videos. So that is that. And now we're going to go ahead and get started with the episode. So, oh, oh, no, 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 we're not. We got two patron, two new Patreons to thank, guys. Thank you very much for all of this. First one is Jen vs. Infinity. A long-time listener of the show. She's been listening to it for quite a while. I see her pop up in the comments fairly regularly. So thank you very much, Jen. Secondly, we have Moon Man. Moon Man. He didn't add all the extra O's I did, but Moon Man. So thank you, Moon. Thank you, Jen. Jenverse. And let's go ahead and get started with the episode. Really appreciate the Patreonage. And if you can't support the show via Patreon, that's okay. Just get the word out about the show. Really, really helps a lot. Let's go ahead and hop in the Jason. Let's hop in the Carpenter Copter, actually. We haven't used this in a while. No, we haven't used the Dead Rabbit Dirigible in a while. Get on board the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. You're like, dang it. Dang it, I wanted to ride on the copter. I'm like, nope. It's my show. It's my ride. I don't know why all of a sudden I'm Roscoe P. Cotrain um, or any Southerner, really. Get on. Come on. Hurry up. Get on the Dirigible. We're taking off. Now, we're going to fly from Oregon. We're flying out to Pennsylvania, right? The year is 2017, and we're going to land in this big field. <laughs> that noise was... <laughs> Again, I don't know what a dirigible sounds like. <sighs> That's the wind. We just poke a little hole, and it slowly deflates. We land. takes about an hour to get uh, move the dirigible balloon out of the way. We crawl out. And I'm like, you know you're going to pump that back up, right? You're like, dang it. But we're there and we're in the middle of a field and there's a bunch of like MUFON scientists, researchers, collaborators standing in this field late at night. Now MUFON stands for the Mutual UFO Network, which I don't know if you can have an acronym in an acronym. MUFON should be Mutual Unidentified Flying Object Network. I don't think you can have, just add a letter at the beginning and end of an existing acronym. Like what's a real acronym? Like laser, which is light amplification system, eradicate, radicals, whatever. And then you just can't add a G on it and be, oh, we're glazer. We're we're good laser. What? No, it doesn't work that way. I don't think so, at least. So anyways, everyone's just standing, staring at me in the field. They're like, dude, why are you you going off on this rant about MUFON? Look. There's a UFO descending out of the night sky. It's like, oh yeah, that's way more important. Does it have any glazers on it? It's all war, 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 war. This UFO is landing, right? Now, the door opens up. This alien walks out. Walks out all like a noble prince. 
I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what that means. He's strutting a bit, I guess. He walks out. Now, in this group of scientists and collaborate. I don't know why I'm using the word collaborators. In this group of scientists and researchers and stuff like that, one of them, his name is John Ventray. John Ventray. He is the president or the CEO of the... He's the state director of the Pennsylvania branch of MUFON, is who he is. As Jason looks at his notes, and he walks up to this alien, and he extends his hand, and he says... Now, just so we're not confused, just so we're not confused about the next five minutes of what I'm about to say... This didn't actually happen. Obviously, we're not there. A UFO did not land in Pennsylvania, and and John Ventre did not shake his hand. And no one walked princely. But John Ventre is a state director of of the Pennsylvania MUFON. It's a real organization, and they're dedicated to finding proof of aliens and contacting them and all sorts of stuff. So he didn't say this to an alien directly. He wrote this on Facebook. He wrote the following, what I'm about to say, he wrote the following on Facebook. But I want you to imagine him saying it to an alien. Because this guy's job was to research this stuff. Are aliens real? Are there more advanced civilizations out there? Is there someone or something trying to make contact with us? It is a weighty responsibility to try to contact other beings. You really just don't let anyone become a priest or a minister or a rabbi or a, what are the other ones called? Cleric. Well, and whatever the other religious swamis or whatever. Anyways, the point is, is that you usually have to go through some sort of training. Because basically you're talking to like gods and ghosts and uh, spirits, right? You don't want your aunt doing it. And when your aunt does it, she's messing around with the Ouija board. And the next thing you know, she's killing your cat. They have to have some semblance of training. Because they're talking to deities, Or trying to interpret the word of deities or just, you know, whatever. So, you don't want just anybody in charge of the Pennsylvania MUFON. Because what if these guys are the first people to meet aliens? Is what this whole setup is. That's what I'm getting at. Okay, here we are. He's getting ready to shake this dude's hand. And John Ventre says this. Netflix announced the new anti-white show, Dear White People, that promotes white genocide. I canceled my account. Do the same. Shaking, shaking. <laughs> this alien. Alien's looking nervous. Like, what, what? what is this guy talking about? He continues, I don't find this funny. The last thing blacks want is for white males to organize, and that's not too far away. White males are the absolute target of the government with illegal affirmative action. And at this point, me and you are looking at each other in the field, and we're like... What in the world is going on here? And I'm looking at you and you're looking at me and everyone is super nervous. But John Ventre, he's on a roll, dude. He, at this point, he pulls out a literal soap. So he pulls out a literal soapbox, gets on top of it while shaking his hand the whole time, which violates the 14th Amendment and the Supreme Court refuses to hear the case because they know it does. The media also attacks us constantly constantly with interracial couples in every show and commercial and we're like oh no dude do not can this get any worse at this point other aliens are kind of poking their head out of the ship and they're like what's going on what's taking what's taking this so long this is usually pretty like take me to your leader this why is our alien leader blushing how (laughs) we didn't even know our species could get embarrassed 
John Ventry continues, The media also attacks us constantly with interracial couples in every show and commercial and portraying white males as incompetent. Everything this world is was created by Europeans and Americans. And Americans, not the fact that Americans are technically Europeans, really, if you go far enough back, but it was created by Europeans and Americans. Effing blacks. Okay, do not, do not... Do not grab, like, do not take this audio clip and just be like, Dead Rabbit Radio is totally racist. This is the voice of John Venture. This is what he, this, this, we're not even, we're almost done, and it gets worse. We're almost done, and it's not even as bad as it's going to get. But let's go ahead and let's do the coup de gras here. So John Venture is writing this. Well, he, and he's also telling this alien leader, and we're just like, oh. First contact, dude, this is really bad. He goes, effing blacks didn't even have a calendar, a wheel, or a numbering system until the Brits showed up. And you and I look at each other, we're like, okay, well, that was bad, but it could have been a whole lot. And then he continues, Google serotonin by race, IQ by race, and violent crime by race, and then compare that to the effing message the media portrays. Time to turn off the TVs. Now, the reason why I'm covering this story is for a couple of reasons. The main one, though, I think it's funny. I think it's funny that somebody who actually, like, is trying to find more advanced races in the galaxy is a racist. I find that bizarre. I find that very, very bizarre. Because what happens when aliens start Googling IQ by species and humans are the lowest on the alien scale? And they're like, what? They didn't even have hyperdrive until we showed up. That was backward. But... So that's weird in and of itself, but really, alien, UFO mythology, all that stuff, it's kind of broken down into two overarching myths. Either one, the aliens out there are preparing to go to war with us, humanity, and it's us versus them. It's humans versus the evil alien empires, reptilians and their workers and the greys and they're abducting us, and we are a global community. Or, there is a universal brotherhood out there of alien species that want us to join their brotherhood and elevate us psychically and spiritually. And the powers that be, the Illuminati, Deep State, whatever you want to call them, are keeping us from contacting these aliens. Both of those, both of those are completely incompatible with the statement, Google IQ by race. Both of those, what happens? Independence Day did not have them all... Flying around, and then um, who was the dude? Not Steve Gutenberg, Jeff Goldblum. The end of that movie was not Jeff Goldblum making the virus and getting in the ship. He's like, okay, we're gonna fly the ship in, we're gonna take care of this. And it's Will Smith getting in the ship too. He's like, whoa, no, no, no. Mm-mm. We got a white pilot. Where's the president? Can we get someone in here? Anyone? Because I Googled him, I Googled his IQ, guys. And all the scientists are like, it's the only one we got. And he's like, oh, I hope you're one of the good ones. Shipped it. Completely incompatible with any idea, any overarching UFO myth. Now, obviously, if someone's just racist, I'm not. If some guy's just racist on the street corner, I'm like, what? How are we supposed to fight the aliens together? Because he's just going to think I'm crazier than he is. But when someone is the head of a state chapter of a UFO investigation group and actively dislikes or I I would go so far as to say hates 
black people, right? He got triggered by this television show, and now he actually is, like, telling people that they're not like us. It was basically... The first part, you can say whatever. Maybe the show's anti-white. I don't know anything about the show. I don't, I've never watched the show, never watched the movie. I'm vaguely aware of the controversy surrounding it. But by the end of that, it's basically, it's us versus them, is where that email or that Facebook post goes. Incompatible with any belief in aliens or UFOlogy. It is, it is so bizarre to me to think that someone can share both the belief in hope that humanity is... Humanity is not alone in the universe, that there are other species out there, either looking to help us achieve greatness or attack us and we have to unite together to fight them. And at the same time, completely dismiss an entire ethnic group, an entire race of people. I I find that as bizarre as a story like Mormon Bigfoot, to be honest. That you could hold both beliefs at the same time and not see the irony in it. Humanity must unite except for those billion people. Uh, Humanity will ascend to the next spiritual level except for those guys. No blacks allowed on the mothership. Which which is basically kind of ironic since that's what... uh, uh, Damn it, that joke fell apart. What's that guy's name? George Clinton! Dang it! I'm keeping that one in. But anyways... George Clinton's mothership, parliament, funk, funkadelic. Jeez, Jason. My point is, is like, I find a... The idea that someone could hold these two beliefs at the same time just as bizarre as so much of the other stuff that we cover. Because to me, it's completely incompatible. He still works there, by the way. And I'm not going to get into cancel culture, all that stuff, but they lost. So he got fired and then came back as a volunteer, and it still does a bunch of the same stuff. And they lost a ton of people. They go, I do not want to work with an organization that supports this dude. That's repugnant beliefs. I'm not going to support it. And that's where we're at right now. And you have a guy who's looking up at the night sky for other races, but can't even even consider to embrace his own species that's standing right next to him. Absolutely bizarre. Absolutely bizarre, I believe. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story, though. Next story, we're going to leave behind a creepy mind and delve into a creepy... What rhymes with mind? That's not that's not what rhymes with mind. What rhymes with mind and is relevant to the story. We're gonna leave behind a creepy hospital and end up in a creepy hospital. A hospital is a slang term for a field in Pennsylvania. But you didn't know that. You learned something today, right? We're going to a hospital in let's see where is this at? Arkansas. It's actually in a place called Searcy, Arkansas, or Cirque, Arkansas. Now, I'm going to say if it is Searcy, Arkansas, it's kind of creepy. Because Searcy was that woman who turned dudes into pigs back in the day. That story, I know I'm talking about this all the time. It terrifies me, stories where people turn into stuff when they don't want to. Technically, turning into stuff, I mean, it's not like... You know, a boy turns into a man, and he could be like, but I've always, I, I don't want to grow up. Like, that doesn't scare me. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. <laughs> that song, I'm all, no. <laughs> just let him, just let him stay a boy. It's turning into other species or, like, inanimate objects. And I'm always wondering where I got that fear from. 
I talked before about that Doctor Who episode that apparently I made up. Like, I remember it vividly, but no one else remembers it about all the Doctor Whos got together. This was like in the 80s. All the Doctor Whos got together and fought some bad guy. and He got turned into a statue, but he was still alive. That scared me. Willow scared me when that witch turned everyone into a pig. That really terrified me. The story of Circe on the island, the Greek island. I think it was Jason and the Argonauts. Maybe in the past life, I was Jason, and I saw my buddies get turned into pigs. And then, um, but I don't know, like, what childhood trauma I had. Maybe I'm not really a human. Maybe I used to be a puppy, and I got magically transformed into a human. I don't know. That is just as viable as any of those other ones. But for whatever reason, I hate it when people get turned in. has nothing to do with the story I'm about to tell, by the way. Just the fact that the city is named Searcy, Arkansas. I should see if I can find stories about people turned into stuff. Against their will. But then I realized I don't live in a fairy tale, so that might actually be impossible. I'll go to BuzzFeed. Ten people who turn into animals with photos. So, it's November 2006. We're in Searcy, Arkansas. There's a young woman there named Amy Stamatis. She's laying in a hospital bed. Beep. 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 That's not a bus backing up. That's her little heart rate monitor. Beep. Beep. And it apparently needs to be tuned. Beep. Beep. And she's just sitting there kind of like, uh, uh. <laughs> She's not a zombie. She's not a zombie. She's just not doing too well. She's paralyzed from the waist down. And even though she can't move her legs, she keeps having these dark, intrusive thoughts. She ended up in the hospital bed. Former nurse, by the way. So it's possible that when she was like, oh, I know this room. Many a patient have been in this room. I've been in this room many times before. Or it could be a totally different hospital than the one she worked at. I'm not for sure. But former nurse, now paralyzed from the waist down. She was sitting on a windowsill, right? And she's just enjoying the sun, hoping it would wash out the dark, intrusive thoughts in her head. And then all of a sudden, she fell and hit the pavement and broke her back. Broke a bunch of ribs. And when they found her, her arms and her legs weren't broken. And she didn't try to brace for impact. Which almost seems impossible. Like, I get it, people kill themselves. Unfortunately, they do it all the time. But usually, even when they jump, they're like, that was bad. Like, usually, the people who survived the suicide attempts for a while go, that wasn't fun. And then depending on other factors that are going on, they either never do it again, or they keep committing suicide, or keep attempting to commit suicide until they die. Not even a natural reaction to put her arms out or to try to put her legs out. She falls and smashes her back. Now she says, I didn't jump. I didn't jump. As they're loading her into the ambulance at the scene, something pushed me. I swear I didn't jump. Now I don't know I don't know why she turned into Clint Eastwood from Gran Torino after the accident, but apparently that is the case. So now she's in the hospital, and she's trying to make sense of what's happened in her life. April 2006, so seven months earlier, Amy is a happy-go-lucky young nurse. She's dancing around the hospital. She didn't get a lot of work done. Too busy dancing. You know, the way that it works, they're like, Amy, get back to work. She's like, I'm having a feeling. I'm making up a song so I don't get a copyright violation. And she's dancing through the hospital, right? She's doing a little... Shuffle. I need to have a dead rabbit dance. 
So anyway, she's dancing. She's doing a little moonwalking through. She's bumping into other nurses who are doing their job. They're like, ah! They get stuck with a bunch of needles. They're carrying a tray full of fentanyl, injected fentanyl. And she bumps into them. They're like, ah! That would be actually a pretty funny movie. Or a, a scene, a funny scene in a movie. If the whole movie was just her bumping into people. Nah. But I could watch a scene in a comedy. Farley Brothers, hit me up. I got hilarious jokes that involve opioids. Opioids. Anyways, so the point... (laughs) This is a really grim story, actually. The point is, is that she's in the hospital. She's having the time of her life. And they go, (laughs) Kermit the Frog apparently works in the hospital. Amy? Amy Statmetis? Go to the emergency room. We got a patient for you to move. Because, you know, usually they call nurses over the loudspeakers. So Amy goes down to the emergency room, and there's a burn victim there. And they're like, can you put this guy in a room? Can you take care of this guy, put him in a room? A hospital room, they have to be specific. Last time, she just wheeled him out across the way, left him in someone's apartment. She's like, oh, yeah, hospital room. So she wheels him through the hospital. (laughs) She's dancing the whole time. The bed's rocking. She's (laughs) She's surfing on the bed. She gets to the room. Okay, so here she gets to the room, right? So she gets to the room. She's taking care of him, and then she's on the other side of the hospital. She's like, "What?" She kind of thinks, "What? How, how did I wait? What? How did I get here?" And she's kind of like looking around. It's not a wing of the hospital she normally goes to. It's definitely not the wing of the hospital she was just in. She finds herself standing in the hospital, and she starts to try to remember. She goes, "I remember leaving his." his room and then i just walked around like just started making loops around the hospital walking all over the hospital but why i don't even remember doing that like i I vaguely remember doing that and i must have done that because i'm here but i just don't get it this is one of her quotes after this after i took care of him my mind went out the window i was just blank this was actually her final day at the hospital she could not go to work after this she could not concentrate at all. Her, she felt like her brain was actively rebelling against her. She couldn't even do simple tasks. Talking about, like, brushing your teeth. Like, it, it was basically like she went into the room with the, the burn victim, a normal person, and came out someone who was suffering some form of mental disability. A permanent brain fog had come over her. She also was physically fit. She was a marathon runner. That was her hobby. She loved seeing something 26.5 miles away and saying, I'm going to get there. Watch me go. Now she can barely walk. Now she can't because she's paralyzed. But before she gets paralyzed, she was having a hard time moving in a straight line. So she starts going to the hospital and they are running test after test after test. And they're like, obviously something's wrong with you. But we don't know what it is. So they say, we're going to give you this anti-psychotic medicine. We're going to give you this medicine. We're going to give you that medicine. They're trying to figure out what it is. They don't know if it's all in her head. They don't know if she has some sort of muscle disease. But whatever it is, it's acting incredibly fast. She says, I feel like I'm having a nervous breakdown. And the doctors are like, well, let's go that route. So that's when they start giving her all of these medications to try to get her back to normal. And nothing is working at all. And now she's hearing voices in her head. And they won't go away. Now, she's married. Her loved ones are concerned. 
Her friends are concerned. She ends up going to a big party with her in-laws. Middle of the party, starts taking her clothes off. People are like, Amy, what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if she was laughing like the Joker, but she was definitely taking her clothes off. That was true. And she was volatile. She would get angry at the drop of a hat. She went back to visit some friends at the hospital and just started flipping out on them, stuff like that. And it kind of culminated in her husband taking her to Michigan to go to the Mayo Clinic. And while she was there, she broke free from the doctors. She takes off running. She goes up a giant, like, parking garage, um, you know, like a, a parking structure. Gets to the eighth story and threatens to jump. To the point where the police had to show up and them and the husband had to talk her off of the ledge. So it wasn't like she was just up there going, I'm going to jump. And the doctor's like, don't do it. And there, she's like, yeah, I guess I won't. It went on long enough that there was a police presence and they had to do all that stuff. So you go, well, that's interesting because in November 2006, you told me she fell out of a window. She had already climbed to a height to threaten to kill herself. But she didn't kill herself or she didn't jump off the parking structure. That definitely would have killed her. And two, she swears still that she did not jump out of that window. She got pushed. So now we're standing, it's it's November, we're all caught up with the story, it's November 2006, we are standing in the hospital room of Amy, we're wearing our big old lab coats, it's me and you, got Moon Man, I think he's actually getting into the sharps cabinet, getting some needles, and then Jen versus Infinity is there as well, she's actually the supervising doctor, she's making sure I do my job right, and I'm kind of nervous, I keep looking at her, but anyways, and then I'm like, Moon Man, dude, that's fentanyl, don't inject that, I had a friend who did that, I had a friend who used to break into sharp containers, and there, I mean, there's, there's doing drugs, and then there's doing half-used drugs from other, like, people who are dying, like, blech, anyways, I love her, like, I, she's a really good friend of mine, but talk about risky, dude. Anyway, so the point is, yeah, you guys are all looking at me as I'm taking notes. Moon Man's foot into the, the sharps container back down. He's like, yeah, that is kind of disgusting, isn't it? I was like, it is, isn't it? And um, Jen's just kind of shaking her head. The fact that I reveal that as I'm a doctor. Anyways, the point is, is that we are in a room and I go, so I'm sure you guys are all thinking that this is some sort of medical story. I think you guys are thinking that this is something involving medicine. But it's not. Watch this. And I point to the door. And right when I point to the door, a couple people walk in. And you're like, whoa, it's almost like he knew what was coming. It's almost like he read an article on this. Cindy Lawson walks in with a church group. Amy, Amy's church group. This isn't just some random roaming church group like the Warriors. They just move from hospital to hospital looking for converts. Amy's church group. They actually invited Cindy Lawson to show up. And she walks into the room and she looks at Amy And she sees surrounding this young broken woman, paralyzed from the waist down, demons crawling around her. And now we see them too. Moving around. And Cindy Lawson is an exorcist for the Pentecostal church. And she walks up to Amy and she begins to question who's in there she basically goes right into exorcism mode and she starts to use the name of jesus to drive the demons out of her drive the demons out of amy and and amy said she she started to feel almost an immediate kind of relief that jesus was now in this room with her and 
they continued to do this exorcism. It wasn't a full-on, like, your baby's rotten hell exorcism, stuff spinning around, everyone's having to hold her down. It was basically almost seemed like an informal, like, hi, my name's Cindy. Demons leave, Jesus is here, and the demons are like, oh, they just start running out. Very, very weak-willed demons, which are good. The best kind of demons you want are the ones that'll run away right away. But Amy says that it worked. Amy says they'd been treating her for all of this stuff for so long, and they thought that she had this super rare neurological disease. But once she had that little exorcism, once Cindy Lawson came into her life, she actually felt the voices go away, and the intrusive thoughts leave. And now, she says, she's healthy, both mentally and spiritually. Physically, still not doing that great, because, you know, can't move from the waist down, but... There's two interesting things to this. One, there's that old thing of how many people have mental illnesses that could really be demonic possession. Or or to flip that, how many demonic possession stories in the past were actually legitimate mental illnesses that people mistook for demons. The second thing, and really the creepiest thing about the story, whatever happened to the burned man? Like, I mean, I think the suggestion is, is that she wasn't involved in it. She wasn't, like, worshipping the dark forces. She wasn't like, oh, yeah, on all my breaks, I played Charlie Charlie. She seemed to be fairly normal in society. And then a man who was burned up shows up at the hospital. She takes care of him. And then this nightmare begins. Where's the burned dude? You know, I don't know, 250 episodes ago, I did an episode about solar plexus clown gliders, or the belief that there are demonic entities that can move from body to body, that can actually suck out your will to live. A parasite, an interdimensional parasite. And I talked about an experience that I may have had with one of those things. Now, I'm not saying that's what she suffered from. It seems like what she suffered from was far darker. But it still does seem like some sort of parasite. What? How, how did this guy get burned? Who was he? Where was he from? Was he also some happy-go-lucky guy just moving about life, doing his thing? And then something got attached to him, and then one day he woke up on the other side of town. He's like, how did I get here? What am I, what am I doing here? And then the thoughts began. The voices got louder. And then he had an accident. Burning his body up. Landing him in the hospital. And at that point, whatever urged him to do those things or to be put into those situations, found a new victim. A young, married nurse full of joy and life. And took over her existence. Maybe the exorcism didn't drive it away. Maybe it just wanted to leave anyways. Its target was taken out. It had done what it wanted to. It destroyed another life. So if you're ever sick or injured, you need to go to the hospital. Make sure you don't go to one in Searcy, Arkansas. Because somewhere in that city is a hospital. And somewhere in that hospital is a room. And in that room is a malevolent force just waiting to take over your body and destroy it. It feeds on human life. It feeds on human pain. And it's looking for its next meal. 
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, and I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.